You're listening to the Free to Be Mindful podcast, which invites you along on a journey to learn of mindful living, grow in mental health, and inspire through personal growth. In a world where we can often feel much stress and overwhelm, this podcast provides bite-sized tips and real talk conversations, empowering you to embrace mindfulness and nurture your full potential. I'm your host, Vanessa de Jesus Guzman, educator, licensed professional counselor, entrepreneur, and mom. I'm passionate about helping others live life with peace of mind and ease of heart without losing their, well, you know, here we go. Hello and welcome to episode 183 of the Free to Be Mindful podcast. I hope that you're feeling good, looking good, and doing better in this world than you were yesterday. So as I've shared with you, I have a 10-year-old son who is the absolute best. And obviously, all parents say that about their kids, at least I would hope so, but he really is awesome. Just last week, he woke me up and asked, Mommy, how far is Princeton University from here? (laughs) Now, mind you, we have never discussed Princeton in my house before, so it caught me a little bit off guard. So with one eyeball open, I said, well, it's about 15 minutes south from where we live. Why do you ask? He responds by saying, well, I ask because when I'm 18, my sister will be eight, so I need to be close to home so that I can visit her on the weekends. And I mean, come on. (laughs) What 10-year-old is thinking about the future eight years away on how his actions are going to impact his sister who isn't even born yet? Like I said, he is the best. But like every parent can say, he sometimes drives me nuts. You know I keep it real. A few months ago, last year in 2023, the kid out of left field, (laughs) there must be so much going on in that brain of his, He asked my husband and me when we're going to Aruba again, because we hadn't been there since the previous year. Now, mind you, last year during spring break, we took him to Dominican Republic to see my husband's side of the family for the year's anniversary of his great-grandmother, who my son had the opportunity to spend so much time with before her passing. And then in the summer, we went to Dominican Republic again, the other side of the island, with my parents and my siblings to see some of my side of the family. And then during the New Jersey Teachers Convention long weekend at the start of November, we went to California to go to Disneyland and to see the Mario World out there. Which, by the way, I don't think that that's the official name, but I do encourage you to Google it because as an 80s baby... I think I enjoyed it more than he did. It's like being inside of a Super Mario World game. It was really, really cool. But anyway, he had a bunch of vacations last year. And here he was asking, when are we going to go to Aruba again? Because it had been a little bit since we had last been there. And I don't share these experiences to be braggadocious. I share them for two reasons. The first Our kids can be amazing and unbelievable in different kinds of ways, (laughs) all at the same time. And most importantly, too, I wanted to discuss the concept of privilege today. It's a topic I've discussed in the podcast many times before from different angles, and we'll chat about one specific angle today as it relates to bias. To check out the previous episodes, you can visit the show notes for episode four, which was self-awareness and privilege, and episode 60 on privilege and language. 
Now, when it comes to bias and privilege, there's a lot to unpack. And today I wanted to focus on understanding what these words really mean so that we can unlock our own capacity to broaden our perspectives and really become connected with ourselves and to one another. The concept of awareness is truly the foundation to mindful living. It's having the knowledge or understanding that something exists and we can be aware of our own thoughts and feelings through our emotional check-ins and envisioning what we want for our needs or how we want our needs to be met. So for example, with that story that I shared at the beginning, my son was being aware of how his absence when he goes to college is going to impact his sister who's not even born yet because of the 10-year difference. That is awareness. And awareness is what bridges the gap between the known and the unknown, right? It's what connects the two. But sometimes it can be really difficult to reach it, especially when we're dealing with multiple biases. But in my personal opinion, I'm not really sure if we ever master the full concept of awareness in all aspects of life, because we can have it in one area, but perhaps fully not in another. For example, I am fully aware that I might have the strength of public speaking and that a huge area of growth for me is still, even at my age, with numbers. They just scare me. It's just not my thing. But I have that awareness. And that is awareness at a very superficial level, right? But it does go much, much deeper than that. Once we have some level of self-awareness of ourselves, we can then develop that social awareness of others and how we think of others. And that is where the concept of bias comes in. So first, what is bias? According to Psychology Today, a bias is a tendency, inclination, or prejudice toward or against something or someone. Some biases are positive and helpful, like choosing to only eat foods that are considered healthy or staying away from someone who has knowingly caused harm. But many of our biases are often based on stereotypes rather than on actual factual knowledge of an individual or a circumstance. But whether it be positive or negative, such cognitive shortcuts, because that's really what biases are, can result in prejudgments that lead to perhaps rash decisions or discriminatory practices. And I know sometimes that's a little bit hard to hear, but it is absolutely necessary in order for us to learn and grow. And the thing is that our biases exist without us realizing that they're actually there because maybe we just learned about them from the way that we were raised or picked them up from past experiences or we've seen them in prior decisions that we've made or our families have made. So sometimes they exist or very often they exist without our knowledge. So let me tell you an example. A very simple bias that we all have is gender bias, which is unintentional and automatic mental associations based upon gender. And this stems from traditions, norms, values, culture, experiences, and so on. And they may be ingrained in us through society. So when you hear kids or even some adults (laughs) say, oh, no, that's a girl's job or that's a boy's job, that's gender bias at work. Or when you perhaps assume that a surgeon or a lawyer is a man automatically, that's also gender bias at work. I myself am experiencing a lot of internal gender bias, 
because I've been getting in my head a lot about how easy it was to raise my son, but how much more it's going to take to raise a daughter. When the reality is that both sons and daughters need to be raised with self-confidence, awareness of safety, how to be a kind person, good moral character, motivation, drive, and so on. But it is something that I've been thinking about a ton while this baby is baking in here about how to make sure that I raise a girl with all of these attributes. But back to awareness and bias, now that we understand what bias is, the reason that self-awareness and that social awareness is so important is because when a bias exists, we can then be aware of it and react accordingly in order to make the positive change that we want to make. And there's a lot in that statement I just made, because we must first be aware enough that a bias is even there. And then, and here's the important part, we must want to make positive change. I'm sure you've come across folks that perhaps may think, oh, women have no business to be in the armed forces. If they're not aware that that is indeed a gender bias, then maybe they're not even going to want to change it because that's just a thought that at least in their minds, they think it to be actual factual when it indeed is a bias. And while I've been using gender as the example, we must understand that there are various forms of bias that we all hold. And some of these biases include cognitive bias, and this is our tendency to favor information that confirms one's pre-existing beliefs or values and ignore contradictory evidence. So when you hear of something that goes along or is in line with what you may already be thinking, then you're like, yep, that's it. That's the proof that I'm running with. And you may not pay attention to the other side. We may have availability bias, giving preference to information that is readily available or easily recalled, often due to recent exposure or emotional impact. So that means if you just experience something, then you're going to grasp at that memory as opposed to thinking about something that perhaps happened years and years ago or something that we may have to do a little bit more research to find. There's social bias, which means when we prefer members of our own group over those from another group. And that can be a group as simple as, I like Mets fans better than Yankees fans because I'm a Mets fan. (laughs) That's not true, but just to give you an example. But to go deeper than that, then it also goes aligned with stereotyping. When we make assumptions or judgments about individuals based upon membership in a particular group, like race, culture, ethnicity, right? And that then turns into prejudice. There's decision-making bias when we believe in our own abilities or judgments more than is objectively justified. And then there's hindsight bias too, when we see events as having been predictable after they've already occurred. There's memory bias, giving more weight to recent events or experiences when forming our own opinions or making decisions. Then of course, there's also selective memory (laughs) when we remember certain aspects of an event while forgetting others. And this can often be attributed or influenced by our emotions or personal biases. 
There's perceptual bias when we attribute cause or motives to someone's actions, often with insufficient evidence, or there's self-serving bias when we can take credit for positive outcomes. Like when a mom may say, oh yes, they get those good qualities from me, but the bad qualities from their dad. (laughs) Often said as a joke, but sometimes there's some truth in there. There's cultural bias when we interpret or judge a situation based upon our own cultural values, which may not be universally applicable, but they may be within our own culture. Media bias when we believe, let's say, the news from a particular station or from a particular producer, if it's in line, especially with our own thinking over another media source. And algorithmic bias, that's an unintended and often unfair discrimination that may occur in automated systems or algorithms due to bias training data or design. That happens a lot in social media. So whether you've understood all of these biases or not, and I know those were very quick explanations, biases can manifest in various forms and they impact different aspects of our cognition and of our decision-making. And it's important to note that biases can be both conscious, we can be aware of them, and subconscious or unconscious. They can impact a lot of aspects of our personal and professional lives. And once we recognize them, and once we understand these biases, then we can make better informed and even fairer decisions. So the question is, what can we do? But first, why? Why would we even want to put energy into this? When we see the biases that we have, we can then become more aware of the privilege that we hold. Like going back to the story about my son, he holds the privilege of we go on multiple vacations a year, and that is not a privilege that everyone has. So the first step is to acknowledge that it even exists. That's the awareness. Once we've done some reflection, some introspection, we can then start seeing things from a new light. And a lot of times, this can sometimes be a little bit hard to understand and even to accept, especially when bias oftentimes can be implicit or unconscious, because it comes through the patterns or ideals that we've learned through just society, again, our personalized upbringings, and other external factors. And bias also comes in many forms, whether it involves, again, some of the examples that we've shared before, or it involves our identity our appearance, our marital status, our socioeconomic status, the physical and emotional standings we have. But no matter the form, it usually stems from what we know versus what we don't know. While we may balance the familiar and the unfamiliar, it's good to remember that having these said biases can hold an impact on several aspects of our lives the views that we have ourselves, and the way that we view others. And when we're able to be honest with ourselves and recognize that bias does indeed exist in multiple aspects, we can then take the next step, which is reducing our biases. And when we do reduce our bias, then we can create active change into creating a more inclusive society. And some of the ways that we can do that is to be more mindful of the way that we live, what we say, what we do, 
how we react and being really mindful of our language, taking action, making sure that we are inclusive and making sure that we stay away from negative mindsets or accidental judgments. And if we do engage in those accidentally, unknowingly, having the courage to learn and to grow and change those types of words or change those actions to, again, be more inclusive. So think about it. If we enter a situation where we already have a preconceived idea or mindset, we're more likely to respond without being mindful, right? And then that's a missed opportunity to see for ourselves on how things can be different. But instead, when we go into things with an open mind, with no expectations, then we tune into being present, into being in the right here and right now. And then we can be more active in the decisions that we make as opposed to going through life on autopilot. And as I shared, when we're open to learning and growing, then we're open to the concepts that when we know better, we can do better. Then we can challenge beliefs, whether they be our own or those of our kids or of our family members and society around us, even when it's uncomfortable and that's challenging. And sometimes we do pick our battles, but especially with, let's say, our children and those closest to us, we can create safe and open spaces where we can take risks, where we can have uncomfortable and hard conversations so that we can all learn from each other and we can watch others lead by example. Because for example, If there's a bias in the workplace, we can have hopefully open conversations so that leaders can make change and really ask themselves, well, how can we improve this situation or how can I improve? And we can also prioritize fairness and inclusion for everyone. If a voice isn't being heard or if someone feels like they're not being seen, it's really easy to just stand by and not do anything. It may be a little bit harder to stand up for others, but that's where awareness is so important because when we see it, then we do have the responsibility to do something about it, to foster open conversation, to really discuss diversity and to take action to make sure that we're not reacting based on snap judgments, but that we are really doing what's good for humanity. And it really comes to being open to different perspectives because, again, sometimes we may not even be aware that things exist. But when we have a much broader perspective, we can then use our own privilege to help. I'll share with you that as a Latina woman, I am, especially when I used to be in the workforce and not, you know, working for myself, there were many a times that I was in situations where I was a minority in the room. And because of that, I see life through a certain perspective that the majority may not see through. And I remember having a male Caucasian colleague that did indeed have a broader perspective. And it would mean so much more that instead of me standing up for things the way that I saw them, when he was able to see my point of view and he spoke up for things because of the privilege that he had as a white man, his voice was sometimes a little bit more powerful and it was heard and it meant so much more when it came from him than when it came from me, especially if that was my own lived experience. So that's just to give you an example of how you can use your own privilege to help others to make change. 
But remember that no two people and no two situations are the same. And it's not possible for us to understand 100% of someone else's experiences or backgrounds. However, that doesn't mean that the effort shouldn't be there or that they don't deserve the same understanding or respect that we do. As individuals, we have a collective responsibility to make sure that we appreciate other people's differences instead of alienating them or weaponizing them. We can use our privilege to help others. We can listen, not just to hear things as they're being said, but really to make sure that other people's stories are heard. When we really listen in to how people express themselves and when they're speaking about the things that really matter to them, active listening allows us to embrace these perspectives so that we can then speak up and engage our family, friends, strangers, online community, wherever it is that we hang out, so to speak, engage all these different people so that we can continue this collective learning experience and then again, create change. I know that, yes, while biases can push people away from each other, it's empathy that brings them together. We show that we aren't alone in our personal struggles or even in our public battles. And that's why I'm a big believer of keeping it real with people because we can learn, grow, and help each other when we are open and honest with each other. We can and we must open our minds, our hearts, and even reach down deep into our souls to make sure that there is space in our families, in our communities, and in our society and global world as a whole, to make sure that there's space for healing, to make sure that there's space for growth, and there's space for love. But that all starts with, again, awareness. And awareness is part of emotional intelligence, and it's part of mindfulness and mindful living. And that is why I love to do what I do, not only in the therapy room, but also as a public speaker. I often speak to schools and organizations and businesses on a variety of topics that have mindful living intertwined, such as social emotional learning, such as self-care and preventing burnout in the workspace, such as the balance that we have to hold between our family lives, especially as parents and mothers, and then our professional lives. If you are interested in any of the topics that I may have mentioned or even some further ones, you can always visit my webpage at freetobemindful.com backslash speaking to get more information. So my friends, we talk so much about awareness and bias and know that we all have a sense of privilege that we hold in different areas of our lives and we can use that privilege in order to help those that need to be heard and that need to be seen. These are covered in past podcast episodes, reference episode four and 60, and they can be heavy to think about and to consider and they can challenge our own norms and our own thought process, and they then challenge the biases that we may have. So for today's guided meditation, regardless of where you are or what you're doing right now, I ask you to consider perhaps what biases you hold, regardless of what they're stemmed in, how do they come out in your everyday life now? Has anybody ever challenged you on these biases? And if that has happened, what was your reaction? Are you willing to just listen, to learn, and to grow? Or do you challenge and push back? 
and say that your way is the only way. Sometimes it's tough to see that in hindsight, because if we're not thinking about it when we're in that moment, it's hard to look at it after it's happened. But I ask you to take the time to reflect right now, to think about how can you be more aware of yourself, of others? How can you be more aware of the biases that you have based upon the privileges that you hold And it's not about being apologetic for those privileges, but it's about using them for good in order to deconstruct biases that are had in order to push our global society into a better place. It is my hope that you do take the time to reflect on this more than the time that we have today. And it is my hope that as we celebrate different things throughout our year, And especially as we in the United States enter this political voting year, I hope that you are able to look within yourself and think about not just what is best for yourself, but what is best for your children, for your community, and for society as a whole. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.